Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Joining me now, senior NFL writer from Yahoo Sports. He is a Pro Football Hall of Fame voter. You need to be reading his columns, following him on Snapchat, Instagram. Uh, The guy puts out content everywhere, and he holds it down at the Yahoo NFL podcast with Charles Robinson. It is, of course, my man, Therese Paler, back on CBS Sports Radio. Therese, how's it going, buddy? Hey, what's going on, Danny? How you doing? I'm good, man. Um, I will start the conversation with you, how I started the show tonight. Mm -hmm. What the hell is going on with Antonio Brown? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. It's a, it's a, if you're a Raider fan, like this is a nightmare. I don't care like how many different ways you try to spin it. Like it's a helmet, put the helmet on. Like I, you know, like I, I guess guys get attached to their helmet. People around the league are smirking at this, you know, um, on the field, you watch the tape. Like last year, Antonio Brown is worth a first round pick. He's, he's always open. And the, the Steelers gave him up for a third and a fifth. So that probably tells you something. Like they were just finished. <laughs> they were just done. And I didn't think that they would start having problems like this this early. Um, so I think Mike Mayock is someone who really doesn't suffer fools like that, even though he made this trade. So what he said today, like, I mean, this is like a hey. You know, let's go. Like this is a, it's a, it's a line, it's a line in the sand moment for the Raiders, and I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. So let me be honest with you. You know, I, I, I've got my theories. Um, yeah. I, I find this so absurd that it yeah. almost, it almost makes me uncomfortable because I, yeah. I want to say like Antonio Brown's crazy, but then I'm like, mm-hmm. eh football actually can make people crazy. Like there's, there's no way he gives up 30 million after fighting for those new guarantees over a helmet, unless something's actually wrong. Like is, is there, have you talked to anyone that has any logical explanation for what's going on right now? I know what you're hitting at. Um, and that is something that I think people kind of like privately wonder, you know, um, like, no one's going to put their name to that, you know. But, you know, it's certainly something where you're just like, what's going on with this guy? Like, this is weird. Everything about it has been weird. Um, and, look, it, it's a it's a discussion point. Like, you see it on Twitter. Like, people are, like, quietly talking about it. Um, I don't know. I'm not really here to confirm that because I don't know it. And I'm not here to rule anything out. I don't know what's going on with him. But I, I do know that if the – pattern of behavior like this continues, it's going to damage that football team because no one has time for this. This this actively gets in the way of everything it takes to win in a league that's this competitive. Yeah, and it just, it doesn't seem like, like the Raiders could say, hey, you're in breach of contract and they would win their grievance. So it seems to me like either Antonio Brown plays in a new helmet or he forfeits $30 million, right? There's no, there's no, there's no door number three here. Pretty much, man. I, I think you. I think you got that right on the, right on the head. So you know, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with this situation because, you know, 
patience is clearly running low. And you know what? It should be. Like, yes. They're trying, to, they're trying to win ball games here. And instead, we, instead of talking about how Derek Carr looks with Tyrell Williams, you know, or Dan, Antonio Brown, we're talking about a helmet. And it's been a thing. It's a distraction. Like, this is getting old. And it's not a coincidence Mayock said it this said that today because like pretty soon like, these games are going to start mattering and no one's going to have time to be wondering about stuff like this Therese Paler terrific NFL reporter and columnist for Yahoo Sports with us on the Danny Parkin show CBS Sports Radio um, another big picture thing I I look at all of the box scores from all of these preseason games and I marvel at the differences in how NFL coaches are approaching this Sean McVay once again no starters in the preseason. He did it last year. The Rams go to the Super Bowl. Matt Nagy basically not playing any starters either side of the ball, any snaps in the preseason. And then you've got smart coaches. You got Andy Reid playing Pat Mahomes. You got Dan Quinn in Atlanta letting Matt Ryan take five hits and sacked three times playing late into the second quarter in his twelfth year in the damn league. Like I, I, I I you can know just me. tell you're disgusted. That is it's so disgust. <laughs> disgusted. You can't even hide it. <laughs> Therese, <laughs> it's malpractice to play these guys. Like and, and Belichick I, does it. So so what I, but we know we're going in a direction of less preseason and we know that health matters. What the hell are these coaches doing risking veteran know. players in the preseason? I don't see, get it. See, Danny, like back in the day, like we look, me and Danny Basically, kind of came up in the business together a little bit in Kansas City, and you know, like I'm kind of old school and stuff, you know. Yes. But I'm also I'm also a little bit more advanced and evolved than you think. If I were an NFL head coach, my starters would not play. I'm a guy like I would love for them to figure out a way to just do like joint practices and eliminate preseason games altogether. Because think of like how awesome like college football's opening weekend is. It's the first glimpse of these teams you really get. And it's great. It's just glorious. I would love to see the NFL kind of like do the same thing. I know that's complicated. Like tape helps guys, helps like scouting departments fill out their practice squad. I get all that. Well, all and I'm these saying, games make money. Like the, these games make and money. These games, and these games make money. But maybe they could charge even more if you just eliminated these garbage games anyway. But look, that's not what you asked. Look, if I if I were NFL head coach, my starters would not play. Like Patrick Mahomes doesn't need more work, in my opinion. You know, like some like Matt Ryan doesn't need more work. You know, you can you can work on these things and practice in a red jersey. But it's so isn't it interesting that we are so far apart on this? Like this is a copycat league, and you, I guarantee you, we will have old school coaches playing starters into the second half of the third preseason game, and we will have new school Gotta coaches playing playing them zero snaps. That's crazy, man. Gotta get ready for the season. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to say to that. Um, no, listen, listen. I, I don't look. It's a sixteen-game season. I don't think these guys really need to work like that. It, I prom, I bet you, like in ten years, like nobody's playing meaningful starters in these games. Like this is the type of stuff that just takes like a while for everyone to realize. Oh, that kind of makes sense. Oh, you know that maybe that's what we should be doing. Like I just, you know, McVeigh's McVeigh's ahead of the curve on that, and I think. In 10 years, like, no one would be playing guys that matter, really. If I was a Falcons fan, I would have rioted after that game against the Jets. It it was malpractice. Um, (laughs) So, 
We're talking to Therese Paler of Yahoo Sports. Oh, it's infuriating. It's so illogical. It pisses me off. Uh, So you've been at 12 training camps now, or you're in Buffalo for your 12th. What's the most interesting thing you've seen or heard? Oh, man. That's the great thing about these tours. There's so much. Um, Well, Lamar Jackson and them, like, had someone mention the triple option to me um, in, in, Buff, in Baltimore's scheme. Like, they're really going to get creative with how they run the football. Another really good tidbit. Like, I, I think I think Rodgers and LaFleur, like, that could go south if they lose and stuff because Rodgers is pretty um, hard-headed. But, or at least headstrong is probably a better, you know. And if things could start going the wrong way, he'll see it on him to fix it. But, I think early on those guys are good. Like they've had scots together. Like they've hung out. Like I think those guys are okay. Um, one of the one of the best things about getting up to Green Bay was just seeing the difference in personalities. Like Lafleur is kind of like an easygoing guy. I think he's a little pliable. And I think when you got like a quarterback that knows what he wants to do and is this accomplished, I don't think that's a bad thing, especially the first year. Um, I feel really good about where the Packers are headed. Um, and I think this year, like, there's no way they go 6-9-1 and one again. And this is Aaron freaking Rodgers. I, I think, you know, I think they're, they're, they're positioned pretty good to at least compete for the division um, and, and probably make the playoffs. Yeah, I have that as my most interesting story in the NFL. I know we've yeah. talked about that. You're on think, point about that. Yeah, yeah I, I just think it's fascinating. Like, Rodgers could have five-plus years left of elite-level quarterbacking and they turned it over to a guy who's never been a head coach before. That's just it's such a bold swing that I feel like the the range of outcomes is very, very wide. Yeah, yeah. And I think um I think it's gonna be fascinating kind of to see what happens with that division. Cause I mean, three teams can win it really, you know? Uh the the Bears, the Vi- the Vikings and the Packers are all kinda of in the mix, so they're gonna beat each other up. You know, I, I think that one's gonna come down a little bit to luck because all three could easily win it. He's Therese Paler from Yahoo Sports, at Therese Paler on Twitter. I I retweeted your Lamar Jackson Baltimore Ravens column. I thought it was really interesting because they're talking big over there, and I know this is a guy that fantasy people carry a lot about, but in your article, there was a comp from Lamar Jackson to Pat Mahomes. Did did, did I read that right? Like, like what, What is the ceiling of that guy in your mind? Um, so let's be clear about that. Uh, it wasn't that, from you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Cause I like Lamar. Like he was my oldest quarterback a couple of years ago, but like Pat and him are like different, man. Like it, you know, Lamar's way more dynamic with his feet, but Patrick can do like a little bit of everything. And that's special. Um, that's just more like in their ability to like Willie Sneed brought that up, like as an example of the way they think that, they believe Lamar can like change the game as like a complete player. And I'm glad that they have that type of confidence in the player. Like good for them to having that type of confidence in the teammate. And I'll also say this. Um, you know, sometimes you go to these places and guys kinda offer a little tepid kind of endorsements of teammates or players that they're coaching, but you don't get that here with this guy. They um they really, they really believe in Lamar Jackson here, man, and uh, in Baltimore, and they're really excited to see what he can do there. Um, he's really well liked by his teammates. Um, you know, I, I think people there have completely bought into Lamar, and they they're not even really stopping themselves short of like big platitudes and stuff, which is typically like a pretty good sign. 
Yeah, it's a it's a great sign, and he's another guy that I think has a wide range of outcomes. Um, did you go to Indy? Was that one of your camp stops? It was. So that's another team that I think is just unbelievably well run, but now has this Andrew Luck thing that wrenches their whole season potentially. Do you like them this year? I like them if Luck is healthy. I think uh, Chris Ballard is one of the, <laughs> one of the best GMs in football already, and uh, I think if I think if Luck plays thirteen games, like they make the playoffs again, they win the division. Um, you know, they should. I mean, they as far as went they went last year to like the divisional round without like a stud defensive lineman that people knew about. Um, Danico Autry is actually going to have another big season, but I do I do like the Colts of Luck is healthy. If, if obviously if he's not, I don't think it's going to be a repeat of 2017. You know, Jacoby Brissett's going to be better than he was then, and I think it's an eight and eighteen. You know, so I, I think you know even the worst case scenario is not horrible. It's like a seven and nine, eight and eighteen. But for them to obviously reach their potential, they need Andrew Luck. And, you know, whether or not he's going to be healthy, I, I really don't know. I don't know. I think that division's a little more interesting than maybe we thought it would be, um, especially if the Jaguars get off to a good start, right? I think Nick Foles changes that team because they just clear, very clearly gave up on Blake Portals. <laughs> I think they broke, you know, I think that team just kind of yeah. fell off after that Chiefs game last year. So, yeah, I think it, I think it's going to be an interesting division if, uh, if Andrew's not healthy. Therese, I, I want to ask you something that I've asked any smart football person I've come across this training camp, including Matt Nagy, when I had him on my oh, show in, in Chicago. Yeah. And yeah. here's the question. Um, last year, we saw a record number of RPOs. We, yeah. saw the, uh, we saw more offenses run a higher percentage of plays out of the shotgun. Um, yeah. We saw teams go for two a little bit more, go for it on fourth down a little bit more. I'm curious what you think is next. Like, like where we know that offensive football, we're in the midst of a revolution of like the spread into the league, RPOs looking more mm-hmm. like college, that sort of thing, largely because of the rules, talent, a whole bunch of factors. What do you think is considered radical now that t- five, 10 years from now will be commonplace? I, I actually do believe like, when you like look at the numbers, like just going forward on fourth down, like teams are going to do that just more, and they're not going to be so scared about momentum and all that stuff. You know, like I, if you when you look at the numbers, it kind of just makes sense to just go for it, especially if you're throwing four times. Um, and that's actually another thing, like throw the ball on first down. You know, like I, I think teams are throwing the ball more than ever, but I I I, I kind of wonder if we're ever going to get to a point where a teams just basically default as they go for it on fourth down and B they just treat you like arena football. Like we're going to throw like every down. Um, and if we don't throw, it's going to be like a draw play, you know, just completely maximize the passing game. Um, as long as the rules are the way they are, I think that'd be kind of interesting. I do too. And what's fascinating about it is that Andy Reid is leading this offensive revolution and he got run out of Philly because people were mad that he was throwing the ball too much and he wasn't, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like it's, he was so clearly right and ahead of the time in Philly. And now everyone's copying Andy Reid and throwing instead of running. The the only thing I'll say, cause you like it, you're looking for the inefficiency. So remember how like Moneyball was about finding like on base percentage and like people just associated that with Moneyball. That like that's not Moneyball. 
But the money ball is inefficiency and exploiting it before everyone else can figure it out. Yep. And the one organization we know like is just adept at this is New England. And I was at all their playoff games um, after the NFC, after the AFC champion. I was at the championship game and Super Bowl. And like, dude, they were running the ball. And in a way, that was kind of the inefficiency in January for them. Um, throwing to the running back, that's the inefficiency you can kind of exploit. Um, that's like the only thing that kind of just makes me a little, because I don't know, like what happens when all these defenses start adjusting and like their base is nickel and it's two linebackers, three corners. Well, if you have an 11th player on offense that's a dynamic run thread or he can run, um, or he can run block and catch, um, and they have to account for it, that kind of changes the advantage. It's about finding the advantage. So I think teams are going to keep trying to look for that and special players that can do more. Because the more, this is obvious, but the more special players you have that can do a lot of things, the more difficult it is to match up and the more unpredictable it makes you. Listen to this man's podcast with Charles Robinson. It's the Yahoo NFL podcast. He is at Therese Paler on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Find him. Read his columns. Give this man a click. He deserves it. Therese Paler from Yahoo Sports. Thanks, buddy. All right. Appreciate it, man. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.